Well, I love the depth of this Oregon football team, and you should too. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Maybe that's the Ducks. Visit Vandal.com slash locked on to get started. So individual standouts. I love doing this on a Tuesday, and I have loved doing this segment all season long because so many different names have popped up, some recurring ones. We'll talk about you know the concerns that Oregon does have going into the Pac-12 championship game against Washington and then the broad picture as well as the college football playoff rankings are set to come out uh, later tonight depending on when you're listening to or watching this show. But individual standouts on a Tuesday. Guys who I thought had an exceptional game, whether you stood out above the fray or whether you were flying under the radar a little bit. You could do Bo Nix every week. You could do Troy Franklin every week. But people who I think were instrumental to Oregon winning the game that were outstanding are just showcasing the depth of talent, not just on the top line, but as you go down the depth chart and on both sides of the ball, I, I think has been the best part. It hasn't been, you know, a recurring segment here on the show in which I've just talked about a bunch of guys on offense or just a bunch of guys on defense. I, I, I've talked about special teamers before, like Cole Martin. I've talked about offensive guys and defensive guys at all three levels, all the position groups. So let's get into it. The two guys who I really thought had the best game, aside from, you know, Bo Nix and Troy Franklin, on on Saturday or Friday night, rather, against the Beavs, Jordan Birch and Brandon Dorless. These two guys right now are giving me DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead kind of vibes because both are just so impactful. And anytime Oregon is getting wildly great production from the defensive line, which has been a frequent occurrence this year, it feels like those two are at the center of it. And it doesn't always stand out in the box score because – these guys line up, you know, Birch is primarily a defensive end. Dorless will play on the interior. He'll also line up a defensive end, which is also something, by the way, that Armstead and, and DeForest Buckner did. They were very versatile with where they could line up and how they could play. Those two guys dominated. They, they didn't play well. They dominated the game up front. And when you talk about Oregon's defensive line playing well against the Beavs, which they did, those two were the reason why. I mean, Jordan Birch put a guard on, on on his backside. He had a couple of great pressures on DJU. Brandon Dorless, you know, he and Basha created the pressure on fourth and two early in the game to get the stop. Dorless is just a game wrecker. And I, I've long said, and I think it's played out this year, that I think he's most effective on the interior. His hand movement and agility is, is just elite. <laughs> it, is, it is just elite. I think both of those guys find careers in, in the NFL. I don't know that Birch is you know, as highly regarded right now as Dorless, but you see why Birch was a five-star recruit. When he makes a big impact play, it just doesn't look like everybody else. And I thought those two were were really, really good. Another guy who's been uh, a regular in this segment, Jeffrey Bossa. 
I think Jeffrey Bossa as a blitzer is one of the most effective defensive players in the entire conference. I think in coverage, he's been solid this year. He's always been a good tackler, but he has upped his game in the blitzing department. And, and he is just a weapon. He's blitzing from the edge. He's blitzing up the middle, which is going to be really important against Michael Penix and the Huskies on Friday because the way that some teams have been able to slow down Washington offensively is pressure up the middle. And I think Dorlis and Bossa have been you know, two of the most consistent guys for the Ducks in that department in creating pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So I, I think Bossa just continues to impress. He's in his third year with the Ducks. He's one of the holdovers from the Mario Cristobal era. He's playing his best football this year. I, I mean, it, I don't think it's even close. I don't think it's even remotely close. He's been outstanding. Evan Williams, I think, has been sneaky good in, in coverage the last few weeks, but he was playing with the club. He, he had the club on his hand, and he just keeps making plays. He, he's a big-time tackler. Speaking of great blitzers and a weapon for Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy and Chris Hampton, you know the, the top defensive coaches on this staff, he's everywhere. I mean, he, he's just all over the place. I love what he's doing. I thought he had a really good game of coverage against the Beavs in particular. And speaking of coverage, how about Dante Manning? How about Dante Manning, who may very well be called upon in a big way this week against Washington because Jalil Florence was on crutches last week. I have not heard whether or not, and I record, I'm recording the show before Dan Lanning's weekly press conference. I do not suspect that Jalil Florence is going to be able to play this week against Washington. And he's been Oregon's number two corner and Dante Manning looking the way he did last week is a great sign. Now he had a couple of issues with discipline. He got one, uh, un, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty or unnecessary roughness. He almost had another one. He also had a pass breakup and an interception and a few tackles. So he had a great game. And, you know, the problem with him has never been his ability to stay with wide receivers. It, it's been his inability to find the ball. And that's what was so encouraging about that interception is he stride for stride with the guy. He I think it was Anthony Gould. He's in perfect position. He finds the ball. He locates it. He makes a play. It's going to be a lot tougher against Washington. Penix is a better thrower than DJ, and every Washington receiver is better than Anthony Gould, who, again, is a good player, but in the 50-50 balls, he's a lot smaller. So he might need to have a really, really big game against the Huskies if the Ducks are going to win the way that they're capable of, and frankly, they just need to win, uh, and they'll be in the playoff, as I'll get to in, in a little bit. But I thought Manning had an awesome game, maybe his best overall as a Duck. Jordan James. This was not a good day for Bucky Irving. I think he was trying too hard to bust off a big run. I, I, I think that Bucky Irving sometimes is trying to do too much and needs to just take the hole that is there. He's really good at creating something when nothing's available, but sometimes I think he tries too hard and he stops his momentum and tries to break tackles, but that gives the defense a chance to catch up. Jordan James doesn't run like that. I think it's good to have two backs with different styles, but it was not a good Bucky Irving day. It was a great Jordan James day, though. He had 43 yards on seven carries. Bucky had 43, I think, on, on 14 carries or 12 carries. So uh, James had an awesome day, and, and it's just consistently a spark for the Oregon offense this year if Bucky is, is a little bit down sometimes. But uh, those two guys back there, yeah, I feel really good about Oregon's backs. Also, how about Bucky's speed on the touchdown run uh, or the touchdown reception he had? To make that angle down the sideline, that was, that was pretty impressive. Three more guys offensively that stood out. Tez Johnson. Tez Johnson has become one of the most reliable targets 
in the conference and for Oregon, I mean, he has been outstanding. If Oregon plays, you know, multiple games in which Tez Johnson is featured like this, he could be a thousand yard receiver. It'd be the first time Oregon's had 2000 yard receivers in uh, a couple decades. I think it'd be the first time this century. If memory serves, I, I have become so impressed with him. He's, he's blocked in the running game better than I thought he would. His yards after catch is outstanding. His speed, his hands, I mean, he, he's just so reliable. You know, he, he's like Britton Covey or Hunter Renfro, but faster and more dynamic. And I think that's become such a big safety blanket for Bo Nix. And, you know, Will Stein's drawn up a play for him every now and then, like he did on a third down in the game, which was a neat concept. He motioned across and then he reverse pivoted back inside. He's just become a go-to guy on third down along with Troy Franklin, and, and that's a big thing because you can't have just the one guy. you got to have a reliable number two. Tez Johnson has become that. Speaking of reliable wideouts, Treshawn Holden, I thought he had an awesome game. He threw a couple of really big blocks. He had the big catch and run. He looked awesome. I, I, I think that, that that's somebody – I got a question earlier in the year, like, hey, do you feel like we're not using Treshawn Holden enough offensively? I'm like, well, I don't know. It feels like we're – you know, Will Stein's using him about the appropriate amount. I, I feel great about having him as your number three wide receiver slash playmaker. I, I think that, you know, on the perimeter, I think he's great. He's probably number four behind T-Ferg, but I thought he was really good and deserved a shout out. And the last guy, not a big stats day, but Casey Kelly has become a great number three tight end and is a regular in the run blocking game for, for this Oregon team. And I think that it's just flying under the radar and he deserves a shout out as well because he's been a big part of the run game and he's been really, really good the last few weeks. So those are my individual standouts. Let me know who you want to get a shout out on the show. If you think I missed anybody from Saturday's game against the Beavs, drop it in the YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter as well. As many of you have covering a variety of topics here. And that's what we're going to do here on the show after we talk about FanDuel, of course, because that is America's number one sports book. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you haven't joined and you think Oregon's beating Washington this week, you put down $5 if they win, which I think they will, get $150 in bonus bets. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Oregon right now on FanDuel, about a nine, nine-and-a-half point favorite, depending on when you check the odds, over Washington this week. That's a big number, but a testament to how good this Oregon team is capable of being. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season FanDuel official partner of the NFL. FL. Today's episode also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for, for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So go on there and post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. One term and condition of listening to or watching this show 
I got to have my second segment sips. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to become a Locked On Ducks insider, you can do so over at Subtext. Link in the description below wherever you're listening to or watching this show. Free 14-day trial, then it's just $5 a month. Great way to support the show if you want to do that. You also get a number of perks over there. Priority mailbag access, my breaking news and reactions to everything happening in the world of Oregon and maybe even beyond. You can talk with me one-on-one and more. So go over there and join if you so desire, but certainly not a requirement. Let's hop into the mailbag though. YouTube comments or Twitter, always great ways to get into the mailbag. This question came from Nick. I'm concerned going forward about our secondary. The last few games, we've been blessed by inaccurate passes to receivers that were wide open. I agree. It is my number one concern going into the game against Washington. More than Camden Lewis, more than the penalties. It is how the secondary holds up. Jaleel Florence earned the right to be the number two corner for this Ducks team in 2023. He did that for a reason. He's the second best corner to Kyrie Jackson. So going in with a guy who is, you know, a heavy rotation player slash backup, however you want to describe it, against the best receiving core in college football, not great. Does does not make me feel great in that particular matchup. That's why the pressure is going to have to be so good because nothing helps a secondary more than a pass rush that gets home consistently and pressures the quarterback. So I think that you're right about, you know, a couple of quarterbacks have missed throws to guys that were open, you know, whether that was Borgay against uh, Arizona State, but really, you know, DJU, made some really good throws. He also missed a couple of throws. Like he's, he's okay. DJ Uyunglele is okay. He is a starting caliber quarterback at the power five level. He's not a high end one. He's not a low end one. He's just what he is. He'll make some really good throws. He'll miss some throws. And he had a couple moments. There was one to Silas Bolden when Oregon had a coverage bust in which if he leads Bolden correctly, or even under throws him a bit, Bolden picks up 30 more yards, maybe even scores a touchdown. Instead, Oregon State only had the one touchdown in the first half. So uh, I, I agree with you there. That is a concern that I have for, for the Ducks right now. The other one, of course, uh, this question came from Blazer Duck. Harsh, but kind of fair here, although not entirely. He says, quote, I don't want to see Camden Lewis kick another field goal ever. Extra points are okay. I still feel nervous when he kicks them. Your thoughts? He's 61 of 61 on extra points. Let's, I'm not losing faith in his ability to do that. The kickoffs, I think they were better against Oregon State. By the way, the kickoff coverage when Camden Lewis actually keeps the ball in play has been really good this year for the Ducks. Cole Martin feels like he's in on every single tackle. I like what I'm seeing from Oregon in that regard. On, on the field goals, I don't think Oregon has another option. And, and this is where the rest of the team needs to be able to pick Camden up. Not emotionally by saying, hey, we believe in you. Come on, you got this man. Go for it. They need to pick the rest of him up or pick him up. The rest of the team does by not letting the game come down to a field goal. Because we saw what happened back in October when that happens. His confidence has been shattered since. He's 10 of 16 kicking this year in conference play. It's something like 4 of 10. I, I mean, it's been really, really bad. And there have, it's not like he's been asked, you know, like the one against Cal, Okay. It had been raining. It's a 50-yard field goal. Okay, I don't expect you to make that one. Sure, the other guy did, but thats I I don't expect a college kicker, even at the Power 5 level, to be able to make a 50-yard field goal in the rain. That's asking too much. But in the last two home games for the Ducks, 
against, or not the last two, I guess, but against Cal, or sorry, against USC and against Oregon State. So yeah, last two home games, right? Yeah, USC and Oregon State. He's had a 34-yard field goal with great conditions at home, and he's missed them both. And and they weren't even high-pressure kicks, but they were important kicks. They were to go up three possessions both times. Instead, it gives momentum to the other team, and they went down and made it a closer game than it should have been. So he made the 25-yarder. I think that was great for him to see the ball go through. He's got plenty of leg. We know that isn't the problem. Rest of the team has to be able to just get to a point where it doesn't come down to that. I really hope it doesn't because if it does, I got no confidence. Absolutely none. Don't want to be in that spot. But there clearly isn't a better option. If there were, that's where the Ducks would go. Okay, Dan Lanning, I think we know by this point, is not a fool. He can see what all of us can see. And Joe Lorg, the special teams coach slash coordinator, he sees it too. If there were a better option available, that's the direction they would have gone by now. I think that would have happened a couple weeks ago. Guess what? There's clearly no better option available. It'll be something to address in the offseason. But for now, rest of the team has to make sure it doesn't come down to that. But I don't feel nervous watching him kick extra points. He's, he hasn't missed one this year. I don't think he's even come close uh, to missing one, not since the Holiday Bowl when he banged it off the upright in it. So uh, anyway, oh, man. I am so excited, but also nervous for this game because, man, I really want to win this week. Here's something else that we have to talk about going into the Pac-12 championship game. This question from Forrest. Okay, Spence, you said ask again when it comes, so now I am asking again. Which unis do you want to see in the Pac-12 championship game, or do you think they roll out a brand new, never-before-seen uniform? Well, If I had my choice of which ones to roll out for the Pac-12 title game, I don't think they will, and I don't think they'll come out with a new one either. I think they'll keep it not like plain and straightforward. I loved Friday's uniforms, by the way. The green, green, white, the Spencer Webb gloves, the sweatshirts they had. I think that was all awesome and really well executed. Shout out to the Oregon uh, uh, equipment department. I would like to see the throwbacks from the Washington State game. That that's that's what I would like to see. It is those are the best uniforms Oregon has put on the field this year. And this is the biggest game of the year. I would love to do that. It's the last Pac-12 championship game, too. So it's kind of fitting, isn't it? Like it, it's it's fairly appropriate that for the last Pac-12 championship game, you roll out some retro unis. I, I I would be down for that. I'd love to see Oregon wear that and Washington wear all black. I think Washington's all black uniforms are vastly underutilized. I think they're really slick. They go all black and purple numbers. I think they look great. But Oregon's going to be the visiting team and Washington's the home team, which means Oregon is probably going to have a white jersey or at least a light jersey of some sort. So, you know, I'd be down for an all white Stormtrooper look. I don't think they will. Uh, my, my guess, frankly, I'll make a uniform guess right now, which I think will probably come out on Tuesday or Wednesday this week. I bet you it's white, white, and either black or green pants. That'd be my guess. I don't think they go back to the eggshell white. You know, the last time they wore those in Las Vegas, it didn't go well. Last time they wore them against Washington, it also didn't go well. So 
I think we dumped the eggshells, uh, at least for now. I don't think they're bad. They're all right. I think they I think they'll end up going white, white, green. That'll be the the, the color combination that I'm I'm predicting here on the show. But I don't think we're gonna see anything new. I, I would like to see the retro unis, but we'll just have to we'll just have to wait and see. We're gonna be waiting and seeing on the uh the old college football playoff committee too to see what they do and where everybody gets moved. Because Oregon, even if they win on Friday, there's not a 100% chance they make the playoff. It is, however, really likely. There's also a high probability that if you check out prize picks, you're going to have a good time because that's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in all of North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and you'll watch the winnings roll in. Prize picks even offers a reboot policy. So your entries stay in play even if your player gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy, which is why you got to go check them out. You want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay. So where does Oregon sit right now? I predict the rankings will stay the same. Florida State was unimpressive against a backup quarterback, against a not great team in Florida on the road. They won the game, so they shouldn't, you know, fall in the rankings. But they were number 5 going into it and Washington beating Washington State with a starting quarterback although unimpressively, is still more impressive than beating a not-as-good Florida team. I mean, Florida State and Washington State, I guess, are kind of comparable, but a backup quarterback. There's the home road factor. I, I don't think anything – I don't think anybody moved the needle there. The question is what happens with Ohio State. Ohio State should fall out of the top four. I think they will. And the top four should be, in order, Georgia. I think Washington should be number two. But what I think will happen is they'll go Georgia – They'll go Michigan, they'll go Washington, they'll go Florida State. Ohio State could be a candidate to be there in that fifth spot. Personally, with the way they've played against some of their opponents this year, they've played a solid schedule. They have a couple really good wins. I would drop them below Alabama. I think they should be below Bama and below Texas and below Oregon. They are not playing in conference championship weekend. I think that needs to matter because we know that conference championships matter and Ohio state at 11 and one should have a really slim path to the playoff, if any at all. And I don't think they're going to get in. So I would drop them down below Alabama. We'll see where the committee puts them. They won't be inside the top four though. So this question came from Adam, huge game from the ducks on Friday night. So ready for the rematch this week. Me too, man. I think we all are. Curious of your thoughts on this scenario. 12 and 1 Bama SEC champ, 12 and 1 Oregon Pac-12 champ, 12 and 1 Texas Big 12 champ, 13 and 0 Michigan Big 10 champ, Florida State 12 and 1 
ACC champ. Florida State would not be an ACC champion if they're twelve and one. Um, this might this question might have been sent in before they they beat Florida. Georgia twelve and one non champ. If Florida State loses, in my opinion, they should be out, but only because of the level of the other teams. But tough to leave out an undefeated conference champ if the Knolls don't lose. Ducks seem to control their own destiny, so we win. I imagine we're in. Go Ducks. So this question definitely came in before the Florida game. If Florida State wins, it's pretty hard to keep them out. Now, would they go into the playoff and get absolutely whacked? You bet your rear end they would. However, it is pretty hard to look at an undefeated Power 5 champion and not put them into the college football playoff. So we're definitely rooting for Florida State to lose to ensure that. However, I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think it's going to matter. You know, obviously, if Oregon wins, I don't think it's going to matter because Washington will be at number three. Florida State scraping by Florida is not enough to leapfrog them back over the Huskies or at least it shouldn't be. So if Oregon has a conference championship and a win over the number three team, they should execute a swap in which Oregon should go from number five to number three and Washington go from number three to number five. And then if Florida State loses, they should be out and then Texas should be in if they win, which they will in the Big 12 championship game. So let's say, for instance, you have Florida State, an undefeated champ, Michigan and undefeated champ, they're in. If Bama beats Georgia, this is my take. If Bama beats Georgia, the SEC should have the right to be left out of the college football playoff. They they should. Georgia at 12 and 1 should not automatically be in, and I don't think they will. And Bama lost to Texas. So I can see a world in which you go Michigan 13 and 0. Florida State 13 and 0, Oregon 12 and 1, and the next team has to be Texas and Bama gets left out as the SEC champ. That's the risk you run when you schedule a big Power 5 game like that, but the upside and why schools should continue to do it as we go into the 12 team era is what Texas currently has, which is if you win the game, you can hold that over that team the rest of the season as long as you hold your own. Texas should not leapfrog Oregon because they blew out Texas Tech. And I know that the Ducks played Texas Tech tight, but the Ducks were on the road. It was early in the year, which always matters to the committee for some reason, but it does. It was early in the year. And Texas Tech had their starting quarterback at the time, Tyler Shuck, versus a backup last week. And I think if the Ducks play Texas Tech with that backup quarterback right now, who's done some nice things, the Red Raiders are a bowl team this year, which is great for them. I think Oregon will win the game pretty handily. So especially especially if the game was played at Austin Stadium, uh, yeah, I think they'd win that game by a lot. They'd probably be favored by like 17 points. Uh, that would that, that'd be my guess there. So Texas plays Oklahoma State, who is number 20, and they stink. Oklahoma State, I, I, I have been anti-Oklahoma State all year. I used to live in, this, in the great state of Oklahoma. I, I've, I know some Cowboys fans. I know Sooners fans. But like, Oklahoma State is not good, and I've said that all season long, and they've proven it time and time again. They got blown out by oh, it's one of the new – I think it was like Houston or somebody blew them out. I don't, I don't even remember. They they should have lost to BYU, who's not even going to a bowl game. Like I, I just – they're not any good. So Texas is going to win that game 
But Oregon beating the number 16 team 31 to 7 ensures the Ducks should stay ahead of Texas. So assuming that takes place, which it should, a win over Oklahoma State cannot get Texas to leapfrog Oregon if the Ducks beat undefeated and third-ranked Washington. So I think the Ducks are safe from Texas leapfrogging them, meaning if Bama wins the SEC championship game, I think the SEC gets left out of the playoff. And I think that's the way it should be. I think that's the way it should be. That said, I think Georgia's going to win that game. I think Georgia's going to win that game. You're going to have Georgia. You're going to have Michigan. And then you'll have two of Oregon, Texas, and Florida State or Washington if if the Huskies win. That's uh, that's where I'm at. So long-winded way of saying Oregon, in all likelihood, is winning in. And they should be. They've earned the right to be in this spot. But based on what the committee has said in recent weeks and where they put the Ducks consistently ahead of Texas, I think the Ducks are going to be just fine. Like a dominant win over a number 16 team is going to take precedent to a dominant win over an unranked 6-6 six and six team. It just will. So let's wrap up with this question from Peyton. In honor of the Pac-12, what are your favorite players from each Pac-12 team? I love this question. So in the Pac-12 era, 2011 to 2023, favorite player from each team. I'll go rapid fire here to end today's show. Oregon, LaMichael James. I've talked about that before here on the show. Uh, it's LaMichael 1 and, and Marcus 2. And man, Bo Nix is flying up that list. But uh, LaMichael 1. For the Beavs, Jaquiz Rogers. For UW, Miles Gaskin. My cousin grew up playing sports with him. My uncle coached him in Little League Baseball, so I got to respect Miles Gaskin there. Washington State, Gardner Minshew. Stanford, Christian McCaffrey. Cal, Deshaun Jackson. USC, Marquise Lee. I thought Marquise Lee was going to tear up the NFL. Injuries prevented him from doing so. He's one of the best college receivers I've ever seen. UCLA, oh, that's an oversight. I'm sorry. For USC, it's Reggie Bush. It's Reggie Bush. Oh, the, uh, well, he didn't technically play in the Pac-12. Yeah, uh, that, that's. I'm going to make an exception there. Marquise Lee, uh, or sorry, Reggie Bush, not Marquise Lee. For UCLA, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I love that guy's story and watching him develop. Utah, Cam Rising, d- dude is just tough and gritty, and I'm glad he's back for the Utes next year. I hope they dominate the Big Twelve. Colorado, I actually had a hard time thinking of somebody came up with LaVisca Chenault because he was just this do-it-all kind of guy who's had a nice career in the NFL. Arizona, I only put this guy in here because Oregon got revenge in the Pac-12 title game like I hope they will this week against Washington. Scooby Wright, great name, great football player. There are a couple of candidates for Arizona there. You go back to Nick Foles, you know, back in uh, the 2009-2010 the kind of era, but Scooby Wright, I'll take him. And Arizona State, this was a hard one. This was a hard one. I thought about Brock Osweiler, but there was something about Mike Bercovici that just resonates with me. Maybe it was the Hail Mary he pulled off to Jalen Strong against USC many years ago down in Los Angeles. But, you know, when I went through and I tried to, you know, not overthink it, like those would be my my favorite players from each team uh, in the Pac-12 era, Uh, you know, Mark Easley would be Pac-12, Reggie Bush, Pac-10. But Mike Berkovici, Scooby Wright, LaVisca Chenault, Cam Rising, DTR, Reggie Bush, Deshaun Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Gardner Minshew, Miles Gaskin, Jaquiz Rogers, and LaMichael James. So an homage to the Pac-12. We will never play 
We will never watch the Ducks play a Pac-12 regular season conference game again. Pretty sad. That's not the best note to end on, but I'm excited for the week. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Keep the questions coming and go Ducks.